Good morning, you all. It's pretty hard to top the uh, children's sermon rendition of this scripture, but I thought we would read it again. Our scripture passage today comes from 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. I invite you to listen or to read along. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if God calls you, say, Speak, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lie down in his place, and the Lord God came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. This is the word of the Lord. My lifelong dream of being in a book club came true this year. I get together each month with a group of friends to discuss everything from educated to where the crawdads sing, and my book nerd self absolutely loves it. Last month, we read the book Come Matter Here by Hannah Brencher. Come Matter Here is a coming-of-age story that focuses on the faith journey and faith struggles of a woman in her 20s. In one of the final chapters, the author, Hannah, tells a funny story about joining a gym that I'd like to retell. Hannah joins a gym, and like many gyms, her new membership comes with one free training session. At first, Hannah refuses the training session, a little intimidated to be working with an exercising professional. However, after much debate, she caves and accepts. She showed up at the gym to meet her trainer. He was tall and handsome, and she was no less intimidated. But she swallowed her pride and hopped on the elliptical as instructed. About Five minutes into her warm-up on the elliptical, this intimidatingly handsome trainer looks at her and says, Hannah, you remind me of a buffalo. <laughs> now, 
were to make a list of things that women want to be compared to <laughs> while wearing exercise clothes at the gym, Buffalo is not high on the list. Hannah immediately regrets her decision to say yes to the training session, clinching her jaw in frustration. But then the coach went on. He said, do you know what most animals do when they see a storm coming? No, Hannah says curtly. They run and hide. Most animals run and hide. But when a buffalo sees a storm coming on the horizon, it runs directly into the storm, knowing that the fastest and surest way to make that storm pass is to put it behind them. You, Hannah, remind me of someone strong enough to run into a storm. Oh. <laughs> now, handsome trainer boy could have led with that, but nonetheless, his words had an impact. Hannah stood a little bit taller. She tightened her ponytail. She cranked up the resistance on the elliptical. The girl who had walked into the gym wearing self-doubt like a sweater was all of a sudden picturing herself an exercising champion, fluent in all gym equipment and scared by none. She was a buffalo. She was strong. She just needed someone else to point it out. The trainer told Hannah that he saw her strength, even though she felt like a nervous wreck, and she believed it. Sometimes we just need someone else to tell us what they see in order for us to see it too. Our scripture passage today has two settings, a time period and a place. The time period is a season, a season in which the word of the Lord was rare. The text tells us that there were not many visions at that time. The people of this time are wondering, where is God and what does God have to say to them? You've probably been there before. The second setting is a place, the temple. Samuel is just a kid. He lives and works in the temple, helping Eli, who was his elder and the temple leader. When the text opens, Eli was lying down in his usual place, and Samuel was lying down in the temple. Now, sleeping in the temple might sound strange to us in 2019. We probably can't imagine coming into this room on a Wednesday night and falling asleep in one of the pews. Although if you're tired, I can vouch that they're more comfortable than you think. <laughs> However, for Samuel, sleeping in the temple was normal. You see, people believed that if you slept in a holy place, you had a higher chance of receiving a vision from God. So it may have been this belief that led Samuel to lay down in the temple. Or it may have simply been that Samuel was tasked with keeping the lamp burning. Either of those reasons could have logically led Samuel to rest in that holy place. And so it's there, in the temple, in the holiest of holies, in the middle of the night, in a season where God's voice feels rare, that God speaks to Samuel. 
God wakes Samuel up from his slumber by name. It's personal and it's powerful. Samuel, God calls. And Samuel runs to Eli, his elder, and says, here I am. God and Samuel play this game three times. God calls Samuel, and Samuel runs to Eli, confusing the voice of God for the voice of his elder. Samuel is in the temple, the one space where people might actually expect for Samuel to have a shot at receiving a vision, and still he cannot see God in front of him. Samuel does not realize that God is near, that God might actually be saying his name. Now, it had never occurred to me until just this week how quickly this sacred moment could have failed to exist at all. Eli could have just said, Samuel, you're dreaming, go to sleep, and ignored the truth at hand. God could have spoken over and over again and it fell on deaf ears. This story could have been left out of scripture altogether, deemed an insignificant moment in Samuel's life, chalked up to sleepwalking and dreaming, had it not been for Eli. It takes Eli a couple of tries, but after the third call, Eli recognizes the sacredness in that ordinary moment. Eli realizes that God is near. So Eli tells Samuel, Samuel, I think God is speaking. Go back to bed. And if God calls you again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Now, fortunately for us, we do not worship a God who practices three strikes, you're out or else Samuel would have been out of luck already. Fortunately for us, when Samuel fails to realize God in his midst, God moves closer. The text tells us that the Lord came and stood there, calling Samuel's name. God does not grow silent or angry. God draws closer. And it is there in that close proximity that God calls Samuel a fourth time. Samuel, God says. And finally, Samuel hears it. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. It's a beautiful story of God speaking to us. It's a beautiful story of an ordinary night turned sacred. It's a beautiful story of the divine drawing near. But I can't help but think it's a beautiful story that almost didn't happen. If Eli had not recognized God in that space and spoke it out loud, Samuel may have never seen it. Sometimes we just need someone to tell us what they see in order for us to see it too. Friends, this summer we have explored the topic sacred ordinary life. We have spent the last 15 weeks walking through a day in the life, imagining where God is in our ordinary mundane moments. We've 
have talked about making the bed and brushing our teeth, losing our keys and carpool. We've discussed eating leftovers and fighting with our spouse, sitting in traffic and calling friends. We've imagined where God is in the midst of play, where God is while we're scrolling through social media, and where God is in Sabbath moments. We have spent all summer trying to open our eyes to God in our midst. But what happens if we miss it? What if, like Samuel, God is calling and we don't hear it? I think, I think we could take a lesson from Eli. You see, Eli does a whole lot of things wrong in his life. If you're familiar with 1 Samuel, then you know that Eli's not a great leader and that he lets God down more often than not. However, in this moment with Samuel, Eli's spot on. In this moment, Eli sees that there is something sacred that is happening and he speaks it out loud. Church, I think we could be a bit more like Eli. There is a lot of fear when it comes to talking about faith, and understandably so. Many have talked about faith in abusive and harmful ways, shaming others and expressing damaging opinions about God and God's grace. This harm has caused many Christians to want to defend themselves and their beliefs, saying, I'm a Christian, but I'm not that type of Christian. It also has led many of us to simply remain silent about what it is that we believe for fear of offending. However, remaining silent gives power to the harmful reputations of faith. Because when we remain silent, people never hear stories about a God who calls to us by name. And people never hear stories of an ordinary night turned sacred, or of a God that moves closer to us when we can't hear God's call on our lives. And that is a truth that is personal and powerful. So when I say we could be a little bit more like Eli, I'm not suggesting that you need to be the next billboard evangelist proclaiming what you think God wants for this world on the street corner. What I am saying is that we, myself included, could probably all be a little bit more like Eli by being brave enough to speak about our faith and belief in God when it really matters. Hannah needed her coach to tell her she was strong. Samuel needed Eli to tell him that God was calling his name. From time to time, we could all use someone else pointing out the sacredness in our lives. And I am confident that this world could benefit from Christians that are willing to speak up out loud and say that God's love is personal and powerful and that it extends to you too. So friends, what if recognizing the sacred in the ordinary is only the first step? From time to time, we may actually need to talk about it because sometimes we just need someone to tell us what they see in order for us to see it too. I was in high school 
driving to church with my mom and brother early on a Sunday morning when I asked my mom a question out of the blue. Mom, what if I grow up and I want to be a Buddhist? The car had been quiet. It was early. The street lights were still on and the thermostat read below freezing. We would be one of the first cars in the church parking lot just like every week because my mom always wanted to arrive early to set up her second grade Sunday school classroom. I am sure on some subconscious level I asked this question out of the blue to stir up some emotions in my mother because I wasn't in the mood for our early morning Sunday drive to church that day. I had never thought seriously about Buddhism. I had been born and raised in the Presbyterian Church. Quite frankly, at that age, I knew very little about other faiths. But in that moment, freezing and tired, the idea of not going to church was pretty appealing. <laughs> so I asked her, what if I don't want to do this, Mom? What if it's not for me? What if I want something entirely different? Then what? My mom was quiet for a moment. And then she said, Sarah, your dad and I love you so much. And nothing could ever change that. We would love to share our faith with you because it means the world to us. However, at the end of the day, we just want you to be a good and loving person. If you choose to be a Buddhist one day, we would respect your choice and would love to learn about your traditions. However, for as long as you are under our roof, <laughs> Yeah, she pulled the roof card. As long as you're under our roof, you will come to church with us, not out of punishment, but because we love this place and we want to share that love with you. I pushed back from my second row seat in the minivan. Why, Mom? Why do you love this place so much? What makes church so special? I could hear my mom choosing her words as she answered. Honey, the church is a human organization, which means it has its failings. You and I both know that more than most. However, I don't know anywhere else in the world where people gather over and over and over again simply because they want to be more loving. The church is that place for me. The people who go to church aren't perfect, she said, but they show up week after week because they want to be better. They want to love bigger. They want to love like God and Jesus Christ, who I believe love all of creation more than I could probably even imagine. So I keep going back, she said, and I will keep teaching Sunday school, and your dad and I will keep tithing because we believe that love is more important than anything. It's not just about the friends or the education, which is a part of it. And it's not just about the holidays and the music, which I love. It's bigger than all of that. It's about love. And it's about change. 
And it's about a God that knows our name. And that always feels worth the early morning car ride to me. Does that make sense? She asked. From the back seat of the minivan, I whispered, yeah, I guess. <laughs> but I never complained about going to church early again. You see, I was a preacher's kid. I'd grown up going to church my whole life. But up until that moment, I just went to church because that's what I thought we were supposed to do. It's what my parents did. It was an obligation. But when my mom confessed in the minivan that morning just how deeply she loved the church, I saw it in a new way. I had treated the church like a vending machine, trying to get out of it exactly what I wanted with minimal effort on my part, which meant that when it was early or I was tired or it was 32 degrees outside, church didn't feel worth it. However, hearing my mom speak about her love for and commitment to the church made me realize that this was not something my parents did because it made them feel good. This was something we did as a family because they believed that the church had a message of love that the world was hungry for. It should have been obvious. The pieces of the puzzle had been right in front of me all that time. But like Samuel in the temple, I couldn't see it. I needed my mom to pull an Eli. I needed her to speak her truth out loud in order for me to see what she could see. I needed her to highlight the sacred and the ordinary in a way that wasn't offensive or shameful and didn't come from a place of disappointment or frustration or annoyance. She invited me to see what she saw with the purest love. And I didn't know it at that time, but it's exactly what I needed. The text says the word of the Lord was rare in those days. I imagine we have all had seasons like that. However, I am convinced that God is speaking. In fact, I am convinced that God is calling us by name. Friends, there is sacred in the ordinary. We just might need one another's help to hear it. So church, who will you be today? I'd love to call you Eli.